0: Welcome to Studio Insights with us, the Vista Studios. Uh, we hold these conversations, we get to learn from each other, ask, be, ask each other things that we want to know more about, park the conversations that happen during the week to contain time or we'd never get any work done. <laughs> Pointing at you. And oh, no, <laughs> just jokes. So everyone thanks for watching the videos, hope you've been enjoying the first few. Today, first question
1: is coming live from Victoria.
0: In
1: Brisbane, Australia. <laughs> what have you got to say? <laughs> uh, well my for Hannah. Um, so this week I've on the again, Um but I've been going back through Hannah's uh, like recent blogs to come up with some content uh, of things we find valuable to share with the community. Um, so Hannah's been doing the blogs pretty much since Belvista Studios <laughs> began. So we've done the hundreds, I would say. I've done one in that time. So my question Is it published? Is, <laughs> yeah <laughs> Wait, what one was it um i, remember that. I don't actually remember
0: it was- <laughs> well your task <laughs> is put the link in the description so people can free read your one and only blog well done because mine is two sentences <laughs>
1: Has done a lot. She's very, seems very confident with her blog writing. Um, so I just want to know, like, what is your process from start to finish basically when you write your blogs, like research, inspiration, actually writing it, um, and just any tips or advice you have if people do get writer's block or anything like that? Great fucking question. <laughs> So I guess the
2: first thing it usually, I get stimulus, so it would usually come from Kim or it could be something that we've heard someone else talk about. Um, so using that stimulus, I sort of start doing research. So I just, there's so much on Google, like on YouTube and other people's blogs. So first of all, it's just doing the research and like, I usually put down like the main points that I find. So I might copy paragraphs or sentences or information or photos or whatever it is around that topic. And then once I've got like a good picture of what it is and I have a like a basic understanding of what it is, um, that's when I can start getting into the blog. So I usually start with a sentence and it's aligned to our social media posts. So we always start with um, either stating a problem they might have or, um, just relating to the end user or the person who's going to be reading the blog. So it might be like, um, if you're an e-learning designer, do you ever get stuck writing animation scripts? And that's so of the blog's around that, like I'll step into their shoes and think what could be a problem that they would be in or a situation that they would be in. So I usually start it with that. And then I go to, okay, what do I want them to be able to do? So at the end of this blog, what value are they going to get from it? So rather than just knowing about the topic, what will they actually do differently once they've read the blog? So then I come up with a statement for that. So that's usually like in this blog, you'll, you will find out how to write an animation script. So that's the next part. And then it's just around whatever topic it is, breaking it into different, component. So for them to meet that goal, so for them to be able to do something differently from reading that blog, what steps would they have to follow or what things would they have to do related to that topic? And that's where I break up the different paragraphs or the different sections. So it'd be like number one might be um, from my research it could be like if you're writing an animation script, give them the why. So why isn't it important for them to read that script? And then I would just go on through um, in that order and as I'm writing each section I might look for more information so I could go online and say okay I need a little bit more information around this or I wonder if someone else out there has done something similar to this and then I can find different resources so there could be other people that I haven't even looked at yet um, and I root, like I love writing so I find it really easy I get like in the zone and I get into like a flow state pretty easily because I love learning and finding out new things and like I beg on a lot about things. So I can beg on a lot when I'm writing out blogs. So it comes naturally for me. But I think, I guess tips for people who do get stuck, it's something that I really love. And we spoke to Nicole around it on one of our episodes, Kim, is you can write a shitty first draft. You don't have to write it perfect to begin with. And I think sometimes people think, oh, if I can't get it perfect straight away, I just won't write anything. And they get stuck and... Procrastinate and end up not doing it. But what I do is, I all like my process is always to write it through once and it will be, it won't be great. Like there'll be errors and um, some things might not make sense. But then I go through it a second time and that second time is like refining. And as I'm reading it through, I'm like, things that I've researched will pop into my head. So I'll be like, oh, like this will be really good. I'll add this in and then I'll read the paragraph again and it'll be more complete and sound easier for people to comprehend. So I guess, yeah, it's like stage one is writing a shitty first draft with the information I know. Stage two is refining it and adding information and getting it into a better place. And then stage three is usually going through doing like proofing. So like grammar checks, spelling, um, the witch and that, which I know Kim (laughs) was very full on with us about having like commas before things. And so just like getting grammar right, which is good. I'm very grateful for that, Kim, because you taught us a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, going through and doing that. And in that grammar and proofing, I'll often find other things I want to refine as well so I can take it to the next level. So it just, I guess it's just doing the research, enjoying the learning process, not putting pressure on yourself and knowing that it's not going to be perfect to begin with and that you'll refine it each time you'll go through it. And also having the knowledge, like I'm really lucky because Kim will always check my blog. So she'll go through and see it from that other perspective. So if something doesn't make sense, she'll talk to me about it or put a comment on it saying like, you need to explain this more or she'll make refinements. So yeah, does that sort of answer your question? Is there anything else?
1: Yeah, no, that's really helpful. I think especially about getting the, like the first draft not having to be perfect because I know when I'm trying to write things, even like captions for images we post, like I, you do just kind of get stuck in your head, like overthinking it, um, but I guess for captions it's a bit different because you do kind of want to get them right the first time. But um, yeah, just putting something and then you can always go back to it, whereas I find I tend to get like just fully stuck and I can't move past it, so mm. oh.
2: Yeah, just being comfortable with it not being perfect to begin with just getting as some it can be anything just get something onto the page even if it's just words or a sentence it doesn't quite make sense and then you can refine it as you go on mm-hmm. yeah that's very helpful
0: <laughs> it reminds me of any time i journal and like <laughs> i don't have anything to journal about i'm like this is silly, I feel (laughs) stupid and then something will flow. So that's what I would recommend when Hannah's like, just get something down, start typing, you'll get your silly sentences out and then hopefully get into a flow. Um, (laughs) Still yet to publish a blog, so maybe don't take my tips, but (laughs) um, it's really interesting because as I'm listening to that and like knowing how you do work on them, like if I summarize it, it is an instructional design process that you take. Um, And the first thing which I'd encourage people to do is you're always writing a blog about something that you actually want to learn about or that you're curious about. So it's not like we're like, go work out this weird methodology that we've never heard about. It's stimulate, it's come from something that we've had an interest in. So you're always coming from a place of curiosity. And because we like learning, I think that is that first barrier for people to get rid of. Like, what do I write about? So just be curious and actually find out something you're interested in. But if I think about it, you have like the, the why at the beginning, like why should someone care? Like if I align it to the instructional design process, why should someone care? Then you have your learning outcome. And then you're like continuously the actions and decisions. Cause a lot of the time you're like, this is a practical tip to do that. So you're putting that aligned back to the learning objective that you've promised at the beginning. Um, and then all the way through to like user testing. Cause anytime I see your blogs is the first time, like you've just gone, this is my stimulus. This is what I, and your stimulus might be me going, here's a blog. I found interesting, or here's a YouTube video or someone spoke about this for example, if it comes from me, so I haven't heard anything else, and then you go, okay, it's ready for you, Kim, after you've done your own revisions, and I come in as a learner, and then I'm like, okay, I'm ready to learn from Hannah now. What is she teaching me? So that's, like, if you think about it, you are an instructional designer, people watching this, Um, so just apply the same process. Mm -hmm. I'd like to follow on, or do you wanna add anything to that before I just ask a follow-up question to the blog stuff?
2: Uh, I think saying that, I it's it is really interesting because it is you have to tackle it like an instructional designer. When I think about, I know sometimes I use metaphors and um, like terms that not everyone would understand. And I know you have said like you need to make sure whatever you write, everyone in the audience can understand it. And I think a big part of our e-learning projects is accessibility. So thinking about, um, is our audience going to understand what we're putting out into the world? Are they going to be able to read things properly? And I notice that a lot of your comments are like similar to the comments that I get, like creating storyboards and doing project work. So I guess when writing blogs as well, it is having that mind frame of like, will every different nationality understand this term? Like if you're using Aussie slang, is that mm. something you going to understand? So yeah, it is interesting how it all, it like all aligns, the instructional design work we do and writing the blogs. So
1: yeah, I guess
2: something else to think of too.
0: Mm. And I guess, so that's one structure, like what we've just spoken about. I also see similarities, which you can get the link in the description, is that writing scenario questions guide, because it has in there like um, checking yourself like against the learning objective, putting in reflection opportunities, putting in stretch assignments, like, so how we've, how we write our scenarios at Bell Vista Studios is also like, (laughs) another kind of process people could apply to writing a blog. So just transferable skills. Yeah. Um, And then the one thing that I wanted to ask as a follow-up is how do you title a blog?
2: Oh, good question. Um, So I learned a lot around titling blogs and I know we've had a lot of discussions around it, Kim, but I think what people really need to consider and what I now consider is what would people look up? So, Whatever problem that I'm trying to solve through the blog, so whatever stimulus you give me, I'm like, it's going to help the end reader or the end user solve this particular problem. So then I think, okay, if that's a problem that I want to solve for that person, what would they Google if they were trying to find a solution to their problem? So we often start our blogs with like how-to. So you might think people watching or listening to this video, if you're trying to figure out how to do something, it's pretty common for people in Google to say like, how do I, or like how to ride a bike, how to swim or whatever it is. Um, So what I do is I, yeah, consider what the problem is that I'm trying to solve and then put myself in the shoes of the end reader and think, what would they type? And there's a really good resource that we'll put in the description is, I think it's called answer the public Mm. Wrong, either of you, but no, that's it. Yeah. The public, yeah. So, answer the public, you can type in a keyword and then it shows you what people Google related to that word. So, say you put in um, instructional design and come up with all of the common search terms for instructional design. So, often we look at that as well. So, check that out. If you're writing a blog, type in the topic and it'll come up with lots of different options.
0: Uh, two searches per day. So, uh, just check that <laughs>
2: out wisely just type random stuff in you have to be very
0: (laughs) yeah you want it those are precious that's if you want to use it. there's other tools out there yeah so yeah i guess that would be the
2: process
0: yeah that's cool because that's also a nice way to get blog ideas is like if you type in instructional design you see what people are looking for so that might stimulate something as well
2: yeah
0: Um, and i guess those if we can extend on that again transferable skills how you write that blog title, thinking about what would someone be looking for if they wanted the answers that are in my blog. That's how we should title our learning initiatives. Yes. Yeah. And titles of the videos. That's how we come up with the video titles and things like that. So, yeah. Lots of transferable skills out there.
2: Before we move on, Kim, what do you think? Because I know you speak about niching as well. Mm -hmm. So, do you think it's important for people, like, to – Cause I don't always do it with blog titles, but I'm wondering if like including our niche is important. So for example, rather than just how to communicate, we would put how to communicate as instructional designers. Do you think that's something else people should consider?
0: Yeah, I do actually, that's a really good point because um, like we've done this and people go do this now, open up another tab, but just go how to communicate and see how many search terms come up in terms of Google results. And they'll probably be like over a billion. And then if you type in how to communicate as an instructional designer, there's probably like millions. So (laughs) you're basically competing with less. So I think that's important. And also you're speaking more to your audience, like how to communicate. That's great. But you are putting your own flair on it from our industry most likely. So therefore other people like you, other instructional designers are going to be attracted and want to listen to it because they're like, I'm an instructional designer. I want to learn to communicate. So yeah, I do think it's important and it's kind of like we've got a few niches within like the blog writing realm, if I think about it, because a lot of our stuff is like, we're instructional designers, we're in the L&D space. Sometimes we're learning things about human resources, L&D and organizational development. So we specifically put that in the title because we want to speak to HR managers and basically validate our ideas, because this is, we always put out content as our opportunity to learn and to see, it's to hold ourselves accountable because we're publicly putting it out there as like these are our ideas and then the whole world could rip us apart. So if we're putting out these ideas around um, something we've learned around like trends in HR or common struggles that L&D or OD teams are having within organizations, we're trying to add value to their lives And then what happens is they come back and they say, really cool, and this. So we get data about our clients, which then I can go use when I'm speaking with my clients and use their language and go, yeah, like I'm hearing out in the industry and other clients, and this is the truth because we get it from multiple sources, but I'm just trying to make the link of a big loop back. Is, Mm -hmm. um, you know, if they go, we had a cool one the other day, one of our clients read, um, actually watched one of our videos. It was on inductions. Um, What do inductees really need to know? And one of our clients wrote um, in the comments, this is brilliant. Um, And what we do as well is we go and find out what the managers of those inductees are feeling and going through in the onboarding process and went on to explain how that enhances how they onboard their staff. And now I'm like, that's really important. Like we should be considering those perspectives because that is the onboarding experience. What are they going through when they've already got a team to manage They're prioritized mm-hmm. workload? And now they've got a new staff member that they need to get up to scratch. So that we're learning through that as well. So that's why we always appreciate your comments um, is because it is a learning opportunity. And so there's that kind of niche and that shows how that plays out. If we're going um, like we haven't learned from, Our clients perspective in a long time. So let's go do that. Then we have like, we're obviously very passionate about human centered design. So we would, and I think a lot of people know us for applying human centered design to instructional design and learning initiatives. So therefore we're going, we're reinforcing our brand as I guess, growing in an authority and like, thank you to the couple of hundred of you that love us. Um, but like, it's really like, we're so passionate about that and we really believe in it. So we're, learning and always upskilling so that we can do that better serve our clients better um and then there's sometimes it's e-learning specific where it's like well you guys been learning about graphic design so then we start going okay well you're learning about graphic design put it out there because there's other people not all instructional designers have graphic design skills so that's useful for them so within our realm of learning and development there are sub niches and they come from they're decided based on where we're at and what we're learning as a team. And then we are going, there's other people out there like us. So let them find us easily by putting it into the title. For example, if we go back to your one at the beginning in terms of how should we communicate or how should I communicate as an instructional designer.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You just think about which one you're most likely to read yourself. Yeah. Anything else on that topic, or we can move on
2: to the next question? I'm done with that one. Yeah, me too. Anna, you got a question? I do. So my question is for you, Kim. What I would understand, like to understand, is I know sometimes you come to Victoria and I with projects, and yeah. you'll say like, okay, this project we're doing an animation, or this project we're doing um like we're going to do posters and e-learning and you sort of let us know what sort of outputs is going to be before we get into discovery or start working on the project and i'm just wondering what is your process for understanding what output is best suited to the client's needs when you are able to say this this is an animation project or this is a project that's going to be built in articulate rise like what's your process for determining that
0: Yeah. Um, I think there's two avenues. The real simple one is a client comes to us and has it already predetermined. So they say, we're doing a video on leadership. Here's our script create animation, please. Um, or we have rise in house. Um, and therefore, when you finish with the project, we want to be able to keep it updated ourselves later. So we need it done in rise, for example, or whatever tool. So those tools can be dictated by the client. And sometimes part two now will come into that where we can influence the client and where we really believe that's not going to solve the problem. Um, This is transactional right now. Um, And I think the judgment as a, say a business owner or like a project manager is like number one, the budget, like, is it a two day job or is it a two month job? You don't really want to influence someone for like, um, like, They just need a quick animation. Maybe they, and we have to respect clients as well. Maybe they've already done all the work in-house around this is the problem we have and we just need to outsource this one component of the project because we can handle everything else in-house. So we need to trust that as well. And the second approach would be, I guess you build experience of what's possible, right? Because we live in the world and we have our own experience. So it's being aware of, apps existing, chatbots existing, animations, posters, emails, everything that we've ever done, um, everything we've ever experienced, sorry, as a human is a possibility. And so when a client comes to us with no predetermined parameters, and they say, this is the problem we have, I know we're going to do the discovery workshop. But I can already, I guess, through experience, go, it sounds like this is a change management campaign, which therefore the key components of that campaign are certain elements like posters, um, email series, micro learning in some form, videos, whatever it is. So I can get a gist of it's going to have these components. and I think that comes with experience. So just bear with me as I'm trying to break down how I make that decision. Cause now it's kind of like a gut reaction where I know what's possible and I know what will help solve this problem. And sometimes we like, I'll go in, and this is happening like in the very initial phone call, very initial meeting or very initial um, email that I'm able to go. I think these are the components that will make up the best blue sky, like, if they're really going to solve the problem, these are all the components that it should have. Um, And then from there, we do our discovery workshop. So our human-centered design approach. And then we find out, for example, that no one has access to PCs. So that may shift some of the things that you guys are like told will make up the project. Um, But I think it's about, I'm trying to break it down. Um, Like how do I even work it out? there's basically a shopping mart of all possibilities based on our human interactions in the world. And you think about the problem that needs to be solved. And you think about the humans that are impacted by that. And there is limited humans at the end of the day, because I guess if you break it down, there's, People that use technology, people that don't use technology, people that have access to technology for limited time, versus not where are they located. Like so, it's all the demographic questions. If you think about it that way, um, age, like where people, um, like sex, gender, all that kind of stuff. Like so, humans are kind of in their own little components, and then you're trying to meet them. So you're trying to make the association to this big shopping mart of possibility. What can I rule out immediately? And what pops into my cart? And I can go, yeah, this is going to be possible. Oh no, they've given me more data now. (laughs) Someone make a meme or a GIF with this little thing. (laughs) But I'm going down my little shopping trolley and I chuck some idea in. I'm like, sounds like they need an email campaign in the lead up for two months know what that's going to look like, but they need communication at multiple touch points. And they've told me that email is the way that the organization runs. So I'm going to put that into the shopping cart. And then they tell me some other piece of data later on, and that might mean I remove something from my shopping cart. Um, And so I have this kind of idea of what it's going to be like. And then that is also shaved or expanded on based on the client's budget. So if someone goes, we want 10 videos and all this kind of stuff. And they go, we have this amount of money. I go, well, well, I'm going to actually talk from the experience of like, you've never, you don't have any experience. Like, so you haven't done a project before. It might be your first client. You go, cool. I'm going to see what is possible for you within your budget. And that's when you go out and you find quotes. So like I had to do this when we first started, like people wanted video work and I'm like, video couldn't be that much. And then you go out and you find out that it's like thousands and thousands of dollars. And then they want 10 of those thousands and thousands of dollars. So you go back to the client and you say, look, I've gone out, I've done my research to do what you want to do is not possible within the budget, but this is the scope that is possible. If you want to do the full scope of what you had in your mind initially, this is what's going to take. What decision do you want to make? Um, and that helps kind of refine, I guess, the quality and the media output and the amount of. If you have everything that's possible to solve the problem, and they only have, then you have to go. This is what's possible within their resources, the time frame, and the money and the quality output that they're expecting. Okay.
1: Cool. Other.
2: Specific questions that you ask clients to determine what tool you would use? Like, is there anything you ask every time that you know will help you get that data? What just happens naturally?
0: Um, I would just point people to our project brief questions, um, which is also, I'm writing it down. It will be in the link in the description of the video. Um, those There's like 26 questions there that are like really helpful because I created them when I first started Bell Vista Studios to help me because and I just learned them each time I'd forget to ask a question of a client and then I'd be like okay now it's an assumption so I have to go back to the client so then I added to my list so yeah the project brief questions are really helpful and in there it has things like do you have tools that you have in-house that we have to use because some people like um, we talk about e-learning specifically the IT department says We will only accept these files and this size, and it needs to be, I don't know, for example, built in Articulate to talk with our LMS, because we've already spent months testing that it works in our LMS and speaks appropriately across these two browsers. So we don't want to have to do that work again. So therefore, that's why you're using that tool. So you find out things like that, Um, budget tool. what the people that are like the project sponsor, what they care about, what the budget holder cares about, what your end users care about, what the person who you're talking to's boss cares about. All of this data allows you to understand what you're dealing with and the dynamics of the client um, or the stakeholder team. And it just gets you closer to being able to support them to the best of your ability and also to support you and your team to the best of your ability.
2: Awesome, that's answered my question. Thank you. Good. Uh,
0: Any other questions, Hannah? (laughs) She's frozen. (laughs) Or just ignoring me, probably. Nah. (laughs) Um, My question for you both is um, we've been spending quite a lot of time now documenting our processes and being very clear on our processes. So we'll try to keep it. I think the, the process of it is relevant to whatever task comes up. We've been working on it for a specific thing, but it's not like that's not the important part of this question. The important part is in terms of planning and taking the time to document processes and then use them because we've spent two weeks probably now of our time focusing on that um, and doing the research to find out what's the best way to do this, putting it into action, testing it, refining. So what would you say are the benefits? Like why should people take the time to plan and document and have processes or systems in place? Talk them through your experience.
1: Well, I think it saves you time in the long run. Um, like having a strict process to follow. Because even if you spend two weeks on it now, like then it's set up forever, basically. Um, So even if usually it might only take you maybe half an hour each week to make a post or something like that, because you're trying to think um, what do I need in the caption? What kind of image do I want? Do I need to create like a template or something from scratch? Um, Like you've got to consider all of that. And it does, that time does add up. And then it's a matter of getting it checked by you usually. Working on it, um, just running it past you. But if you have the processor already, like you spend the two weeks' time to set it up, then it might be a five or ten minute job instead each week. So, yeah, I feel like it does save you a lot of time in the long run. And then it's like I don't have to get it checked because we've already agreed on this process. And I know that what I've done ticks all the boxes basically of what we've made. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just easier in general, like, and you feel more confident to do something like I feel more confident in what I'm doing. Cause I know that it's, I'm following something basically step-by-step step that we've all agreed on. There's no like second guessing or, Oh, I'll just quickly check this. Cause that time, even if it is me sending you a screenshot of something like that time adds yeah. up the process there, it just removes that step altogether. Like I know I can judge myself based on like the list of things we've set up in the process that what I've created matches that exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah i think processes are like it's worthwhile putting the time in initially because it does pay off it makes it easy for everyone there's less stress um and yeah as an ongoing thing like it just everything runs a lot smoother i think cool. I, don't know, I don't know if hannah's back i can't yeah that's really that's a really
2: good points Vic. uh i think For me, it's really nice to have a consistent process. Like, I love the consistency of it. And we've done the research now that we know the processes that we've set up work. Yeah. So it's like if you want to achieve a goal rather than just going out there and randomly doing stuff and hoping that it's going to add value, um, I think it's so much better to have a plan. And if there's, like, other people
1: following
2: that same process that you know are getting good results i think you're much more likely to achieve what, you're, what you want to achieve so you're spending your time on the right things that will have an impact so i think that's really cool um and also working in a team so some people work solo but if you are working in a team it's having processes is a great way to have that consistent output because one person might do something one way and then another person might do something another way And if the brand's not aligning, it can look a bit strange and it's sending people different messages. So I think it's nice that we've got that consistent brand coming out. Um, And it's just easier. Like, Like Victoria was saying, it's so much easier to have something to follow and you feel more confident and you don't have to check in on things and you can just get on with your task and save so much time in the long run. So it's like project management. Like if you don't plan for things... It's become so much more stressful than what it needs to. Mm-hmm. Um, spend the time up front, because in the long run, it'll have such a good impact on the work that you do, the, the goals that you achieve, the output, the everything that comes from the work that you're putting in. It's so worth it.
0: Mm. How yeah. specific do you think you need to be in the processes? Uh, like, can you give an example of how detailed we're getting with the processes that we're writing. Vicky you had one yesterday that you were like, that's not detailed enough. This is what I would add.
1: I don't remember that. But for me, um, so I kind of like having an example for each thing. So for example, with like Instagram captions, um, if we say like, we want to start off with an attention grabbing statement or a question then we want to um, add have like our add value section and then a call to action like have an example or a few examples for each so um for the attention grabbing question or whatever it might be like use a how-to question or like just some kind of like phrase even if it's not the full thing just like keywords that you could use that wouldn't like meet what we're trying to achieve and same with the add value like it's don't you can't just like for me anyway if i want to be able to actually follow a process step by step if it just says add value to me that's like i need it a bit yeah like, too like is it dot, like a dot point thing of tips or is it a sentence where you ex- like you're showing um that you understand what the problem is or something like that mm. um having examples for each uh like topic or requirement basically each thing on the checklist I want to, I think it helps me a lot to have an example of this is what we mean by that. Because mm-hmm. um, then it is kind of easier, like I'll, I'll have the content there and just seeing those little keywords or phrases, I can easily like apply my content to that. And know. Ex- I'm getting exactly what we want from it basically. Um, I don't know if that, I don't actually remember <laughs> which what one we
0: talked about that's like a really good example like specific scripts or sentence starters is really good. Um, if I think about another one, the one that I was thinking of was like, um, upload it to this place. But then when you upload it, then is like, um, I don't, what do you want to call it? Um, what's the description? All this kind of stuff. And it's like, if we didn't know, like if anyone as new starter, like that had never seen it before, they're like, "Mm, well, where do I get the description or what should I be calling it? So putting it down, like you can copy and paste it from here or like, so being specific of where you can get stuff and even we link to other Google documents and go, here's the full process, you know, or follow this. So I think that's useful as well. Um, we, so just to let people know like we have now in our week we've got i think it's three hours on a wednesday morning where we are basically using it as like working on the business time so we're looking at things that need to be improved at bell vista studios and the three of us are working together and going today this is what we're trying to achieve so a couple of weeks ago it was that like we need to document up we need to refine our processes because the challenge was was that everything was held in my head for this for one particular task as an example and we're actually losing so much opportunity because we didn't have a process so I was very sporadic in okay do this and do this and then do that and then the next time we did that thing I just be like oh do this and then we'd lost like so much opportunity. We also lose so much time because I'm saying can you write this? And in my head I had that structure of like the start beginning and end. <laughs> beginning the middle end and the scripts. So I knew how to do them automatically, but you guys had never done it before. So how could you be expected to do that? So what we are doing now is we recognize the need to kind of compartmentalize our time and say, uh, like for example, Monday for me is my admin day. Tuesday is a client day. Um, Wednesday morning is our team time together where we work on stuff together and these things that involve all of us so we co-design them together so that the solution works for each other and we also have like works for us as a team and we also have our individual perspectives or experiences that we can add so that's how we've done that and then what we do sometimes it looks like it's like okay this is the goal let's go find out what's out there working in the world and then come back together and then over, as we start to integrate that and taking action on it in our roles, we are um, just continuously updating that process and then we will be finished and then we can move forward with all the new stuff, getting it right. Um, so I think like it is definitely, whether it's like processes or it's like Hannah said with the project management, like the value of spending that time up front to plan is really important Um, so three hours of our week doing that. I was wondering, do you guys have any tips on (laughs) (laughs) Um, you guys have any tips on how we might improve how we do that moving forward? Like what works or what's not working? What works well? What needs to improve next time we focus on this sort of stuff? I know we're pretty amazing, so, <laughs> <laughs> but although you're not saying this works well, so that's also troubling. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: we are like, it, because it's only kind of a new thing that we've started, but working well so far, because it does give us all the opportunity to, like, have an input in things which uh, it's not like it was just one person making all the decisions before but i feel like it was never everyone being able to sit down together um and kind of think of like every problem at the same time because like obviously all of us have different opinions on things and different things might come up for different people when we are trying to solve a problem um so i think it is just good. And, like you're saving time that way because it's say it's just kim and i had a conversation and we decide something and then a week later Hannah's trying to implement it or something like that. And she brings something up and there, we do need to change it or something like that. Like it is kind of wasted time, but just having the chance for all of us to like get together and discuss things, I think that works really well. And we do always seem to bring up different like potential problems that we can then solve together. Um, It's not trying to agree on something and then we realize later on, it's not the right solution. So I think that's working really well for us. and yeah coming up with the posts and that kind of thing like we're having we're getting good feedback from that so it's good that we all had an input into that because i think that's how we got like that's why it's working now um i mm-hmm. thought we can improve on i don't i can't think of anything at the moment right. my been <laughs> dropping out so i've missed a little bit of that sorry guys
2: <laughs> You can watch uh, it back and get us an extra view. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> talking about project management, the importance of it and coming together as a team.
0: Um, it was more what could we, so we've been, um, maybe that's a question for another time that I'll have for <laughs> you, so stolen. Um, <laughs> it was actually about when we've been like spending the time to document our processes and spending the time to work together as a team um, and to work on the business and prioritize like collaboration, consistency, and agreed processes so you can feel confident to go out and do tasks from start to finish and have to have minimal check-in and then we're all seeing the results as that. Is there any things that you would say are specifically working well or that we need to improve on for the next time?
2: Um, I think what's working well is documenting the processes rather than just talking about them. Like it's mm-hmm. been nice to be able to actually look at something. Um, it's been working well to like discuss things together. I think it's been nice to talk about mm-hmm. how gonna do something as a team because getting a runs different perspective and considering like we're all quite different in the way that we think so I think it's been really nice to discuss things as a team um, Mm -hmm. and different perspectives Uh, something we can improve I'm not too sure just yet I think we're doing a good job like I like what we're doing and I think it is working and I think it's just around having that continuous improvement mindset so as we work and move along with the new processes that we've created thinking about how can we improve it and making those minor adjustments and I think over time we'll build a better and better process like we have with everything the way we create e-learning the process gets better and better as time goes on so I think yeah it's just that mindset where we're looking to improve and do things better and differently and more efficiently I think it
0: opens up a lot of opportunity as well. Like when we have those things written down, we don't have to think. We're just looking for, we know these things are great. And when you get, sometimes you jump straight into a task and then you're like, you're almost clouded and overwhelmed by how to proceed. But when you have that sitting there, it's like this, again, shopping cart of they're going to add value to this task that I'm about to do. I'm going to take that from the process that we already have validated works and is important to us achieving our best results, whatever the task may be. So it's putting that into action then, which is quite cool. Nice one. Nice one, guys. Right. Well, uh, we'll wrap up this episode of Studio Insights with Bell Vista Studios. Uh, thank you, Victoria. Thank you, Hannah, for being amazing staff. You are brilliant and I appreciate you. You're always Audience, let them fucking know in the comments how brilliant they are, just the way they think, just who they are as human beings. But I do appreciate you. I'm so grateful to have you on the team. And everyone at home, thanks for watching. If this has added value to you, you should share it with someone else that is gonna add value to and make an impact on their lives. Check out the description of the video. You'll get the resources that we've spoken about um, and other resources and templates that exist but we think will add value to the, your life because they pretty much come from, like if I think about, we're just talking about processes. We've got an e-learning style guide template there that came from us making a process internally to help us as a team. And we're like, it's going to add value to you. So go get that freebie amongst many more. Anyway, we love you. We appreciate you. Peace out. Bye.